there was something that was missing. Like if all those people, if all those migrants, if all those new, like new newcomers didn't find a way to get uh, access and, you know, to become active citizens in that sense, in on a more like social, political way, uh, then there is something wrong with the system. And maybe then we should create this platform and this um, project. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the community podcast by Co-Matter. My name is Severin, and I'm here to learn from some of the world's most inspiring creatives, founders, philosophers, chefs, political leaders, and other smart people to figure out how they build communities. This is episode six, and today's guest is Anna-Maria Olson, the founder of Give Something Back to Berlin. Give Something Back to Berlin is a platform that connects migrants from any background or story. It works like a marketplace for volunteer work. For example... Laura from New York offers people to edit their CVs for job applications, and Zalar, a chef who recently migrated from Syria, gives cooking classes. Give Something Back to Berlin connects both of them and enables them to learn from each other. In the past four years, the platform helped thousands of newly arrived Berliners find a job, make friends, and get integrated in society. As a writer and journalist originally from Stockholm, Anna Maria started a project in 2012 from her living room. A migrant herself in Berlin, she realized how hard it was to connect to locals. And she then wrote a post on Facebook and got some of her friends involved. Now in 2017, Give Something Back to Berlin grew from a grassroots movement into a team of 13 people and became an award-winning project that redefines how volunteer work can be done today through community. But let's have Anna Maria tell the rest of her story. Here's the community podcast with Anna-Maria Olson from Give Something Back to Berlin. Anna-Maria, welcome. Thank you, thank you. You came here initially from Sweden to study literature, I think, and to become a journalist. Now you are, you're, you're still a journalist, you're still writing books, but you're also running this huge project. Would you have expected to do that like, 10 years ago when you came here? Um, absolutely not. I actually came to Berlin to kind of flee this type of life. So yeah, I had my, my couple of years where, where I was like, yeah, floating around doing this kind of typical Berlin lifestyle, having, doing a lot of freelancing, tons of small stuff, studying a little bit, learning German, partying, meeting people. Um, and uh, yeah, just getting to know the, the city infrastructure and stuff. And so this was really never the plan. And like when we, yeah, when Give Something Back to Berlin kind of, took off like I was shit scared like when I understood like or I kind of felt instinctly like how big it was uh, turning very very fast because it was really not thought to be like a, or planned to be this huge thing I was actually enjoying my kind of um, freelance uh, life uh, with a, a kind of sane work-life balance <laughs> quite a lot um, so yeah no I, I didn't really expect this and it actually took a long time for me to kind of yeah come to terms with and accept that this actually did become my life now I'm very happy for it but it was also a bit of a struggle when you were like losing that freedom that you had for such a long time but freedom is not everything like uh, there's also of Deutsch like you need sin im Leben like you need meaning and um, yeah and to build something and create um, 
create community and create social impact and you know be a social entrepreneur or like build something from scratch is very very rewarding i think so tell us a little bit of how give something back to berlin started i think it was back in 2012 and um what happened yeah so as i mentioned like i had been working as a journalist and um was like freelancing for a lot of uh, magazines i was writing about politics and um, city development and uh, yeah i was obviously like a a migrant myself like a very very privileged migrant coming from sweden um but so i mean i had kind of processed a lot of things like in my work as a journalist like you know with the rising xenophobia like in 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 europe um you know racist uh, tendencies um which was very alarming um then on the so that was like on the kind of global scale that I saw that um, then also like on a on a city level I was um, I was living in Neukölln and uh, I was also a part of many different worlds like I was a part of the creative scene I was a you know half of my of my friends were like in the in the startup scene and I was living as a migrant in a kind of gentrifying neighborhood and I looked around and I saw very few meeting points where like different communities and worlds actually could come together to create synergies like why why weren't all the the people in the startup world like connected to their local neighborhoods I mean there was a lot of tension going on there and like a lot of blaming like oh those um, you know gentrifiers from US or France or whatever just just here to use the city and use it as the playground and um, stuff like that and also then why yeah, like the, the the artist community with like the more less privileged migrants. There was a lot of isolated communities and with in times with a lot of tension uh, and a lot of prejudice flowing, I thought that it was very important to kind of bring different communities together to create synergies and build bridges. And also on the, on the very personal level, um, yeah, as I said, like in, in my own migrant experience, I, I mean, I had to, I came to Germany, I had to like do this kind of call it what you want integration. I had to learn German. I had to establish myself. I had to build up my life from scratch. And I'm a very kind of active go-getter type of person, but it was really hard also for me. And I was like, fuck, if it's like, if it's this hard for someone like me, like with a European passport, like with so much, like, you know, uh, I don't have any trauma with me. Like I, like how much, how hard must it be for other types of migrants? So all of those three things came together, like my private experience, uh, you know, like the local uh, situation and then everything that was going on, like on a, on a political, uh, more global scale, uh, that kind of sparked me to then yeah write this facebook post that then just snowballed into this the, what is now a huge project uh, this facebook post uh, i i just read it before it was a longer facebook post right i mean you had all kinds of arguments it was something that you already thought about thoroughly and and wanted people to get involved in so how much did you plan this post to become bigger or how much did you want this post to be shared and, and people to get involved in that? I mean, the, the plan was to get people involved, but it was not the plan that we were the ones who were going to get them involved, but that they were going to, 
you know, uh, what we wrote in the Facebook post was more or less that all newcomers to Berlin, like uh, um, new Berliners, if they would contact like a local social, you know, an NGO or like a mentorship project or, you know, a school and like offer their skills, uh, we could start creating this kind of, yeah, uh, more like sharing culture, like between different types of different types of communities. So there was no project and there was not really planned that this should become a project. It was more like we told everyone, you go and find this NGO, you go and find this place or, um, you know, institution where you could get involved. Um, so, but then people started like signing up for this post, like there was a project and I was like, fucking hell, like, no, like, <laughs> so it was an, almost a little bit like miscommunication. Um, and we had like city developers contacting us from like Greece or like New York. They was like, this is brilliant. Like, uh, this project that you're doing, I was like, there is no project. There is a Facebook post where I tell people to kind of, you know, go do it themselves. Um, but then when we started reading those, like people who signed up for the project that did not exist, it was quite obvious that there was like there was something that was missing. Like if all those people, if all those migrants, if all those new, like new newcomers didn't find a way to get uh, access and, you know, to become active citizens in that sense, in on a more like social, political way, uh, then there is something wrong with the system. And maybe then we should create this platform and this um, project. Because all this energy should not go unused. And it was obvious that it was until then really going unused. So what happened then? How did you create the first meetup, the first platform for people to actually make something happen? Yeah, so the Facebook post was 2012. And um, then, um, yeah, when the people randomly started signing up for this, uh, we contacted like we, we wrote an email to all people and we were like okay so if are any one of you like interested in actually you know starting to build on this you know um and um and <laughs> so the first meeting was like a catastrophe because like when you're first everybody's like super interested and then like when you have to actually get down to work people might not be uh, especially when it's about like you know organizing things people just want to have things served but then I met some guys who um, were in the from the startup community who they were super interested in like developing you know uh, the, the idea and like do kind of a digital platform because it was obvious that we needed some way to make like online interest become actual offline activity because uh, um, yeah I mean there's a lot of kind of like online slackivism or you know people just like uh, things on Facebook or like they show their uh, opinions but it's an, a, another thing actually take you know practical action so this was our goal so we sat down with with, with those guys and like uh, actually for one year we were not only with them, there was um, like a bunch of people involved, but like ping-ponging, like what we could do and like how it would look like and what is the best way to match, yeah, match new Berliners uh, and make them share their skills with the neighborhood. So one year later, we then launched this platform um, 
and uh, at a, a co-working space here, here in Berlin. And yeah, from there it took off. In the beginning, the people that responded to your Facebook posts were obviously people from your network, from the same scene, let's say privileged migrants or, or people from Berlin. How... How difficult was it to connect them to actual, you know, to the actual neighborhood or to actually refugees as you do today? Yeah, I mean, this was um, this was the the very hard work, but the very interesting work, I would say. I mean, honestly, anyone today can build a website like uh, uh, with some kind of no matching thing going on. But like, really, then you know, we had to find partners that was open enough to understand that, like you know, the skills uh, and, yeah, the, the skills of newcomers, of immigrants are worth, uh, it's worth investing, it's worth welcoming them. Um, and, yeah, in the beginning it could be like we could go to a social center and they were like, what could possibly, like, an American do in this social center? We were like, well, actually your kiddos needs to practice their English, they're having this test. Uh, actually, this uh, American guy is also a musician and you're doing, you have this music school. Um, or So sometimes it was this kind of prejudice, but that was then a part of our job to kind of, you know, be that bridge and explain why. Um, it's important and useful and... Um, but, uh, so that's like, the that's the really kind of time-consuming legwork it's still time-consuming not to like now we don't have to convince a lot of organizations to work with us they they come from from themselves but um yeah it's like a, it's a lot of fiddling like uh, legwork uh, creating those meeting points and uh, spaces for this uh, work and dialogue to take place so does that mean if if i want to give something back to berlin and i sign up on your website as i can give guitar lessons to a group of people once a week um what happens then like do you do you get in touch with me do you facilitate the whole encounter what's the process i mean we have we have we we work in three ways so in the first way we work as a connector so uh we will uh connect you with the, maybe there's already an existing project uh where we uh, that needs a guitar teacher um we also connect people directly with people we might know that there's two other guys who are also uh, interested in doing the same we then we will connect you with them um and on the second level we work as a creator and so we run we create and run big projects of our own so for instance we do actually run a big music school so um then we would say but hey don't like come and volunteer with us come and work with us and then the third um level and the third way that we're working is as a catalyst so um, yeah, we will then, we create uh, and work as this open network uh, and where you come in and connect with other people and you might find those other people who would be interested maybe in setting up a project of your own uh, doing this. Or you can just post on a website and like offer your skills and then people can um, connect with you. Um, but I think what's... and what's most maybe not the most interesting i mean our, our projects are our own projects are super big and like the the um what do you say like the collaborations that we're doing with the already existing local um ngos are also like i think we're like we're collaborating with over 60 60 organizations 
but it's over kind of our network and in our catalysator role where like a lot of interesting things happens so their new projects take off so for instance like we had this kind of funny um story hello well <laughs> this is well our volunteer coordinator <laughs> we're doing a podcast um yeah so um i mean one uh, example is that like we had a, a girl uh, who had been volunteering a lot in our like a refugee cooking group like doing social cookings with refugees over this like sh- uh, she was a tour guide and over this she met um a bunch of newly arrived syrians and she was like oh my god like why am i doing like all this i'm doing tour guides of the history of, of berlin but like this is history of berlin like this is like all the 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 migrants coming like all the the situation in syria why don't we do something together? So then they developed, they met over us and they developed a complete, a completely new project where um, Syrians do tours of Berlin, linking the history of Berlin with the history, the modern history of Syria and political oppression and stuff. And now they're like super famous and like do this every, every week and actually scale to other countries. And it, it's just a little bit like it's, they just, they just meet over our, community and then do new things um, and we had like that was just one one example that I think is um, very beautiful but like I mean there's like a trillion example like that but that means there are possibly hundreds of projects out there that you're not even aware of where people actually connected via your platform right yes and um, so that another funny story was because we also run those like big community events, like once per month, you can come and, you know, pitch your idea or like you can, you can present your project and then you can connect with, with the people in the room. So at those team ups, it can be like up to like 150 people. So it can be like one year later, um, you meet someone and they're like, oh, you know, like, uh, for, like a really funny example was like, there was a dancer and a choreographer and like, I think it was just a psycho and a, like psychologist or something like that so they had connected like over at one of our events and like over a platform and like uh was interested in the same things and they started off like a dance project like offering uh dance workshops and stuff um in yeah also in i don't know everywhere like but then they were doing like it even like on a European level and they had got like EU funding and it's like okay that's cool so then we're just like acting as the kind of hub or the kind of yeah facilitator like we don't need to have our name on stuff it's just like bringing people together and then new cool things happen you mentioned this trust that you had to build up especially with the refugee community right um and thinking about that, I was thinking about scaling, you know, I mean, you basically have a platform that works, you connect uh, mostly refugees with, let's say, other migrants that have something to offer that want to give something back and you match them in order to facilitate learning and, and, and education and, and connection, basically. So now that this is working, obviously, you've been working on it for four years, you have a team. Have you thought about bringing this to other cities, bringing this to other countries? I mean, we build the project in the first, uh, from day one, actually, even with a name. So it would, could be possible to kind of scale it at some point. Like, I mean, give something back to Barcelona, give something back to New York, give something back to Stockholm. Um, but for me, it was, and it's obvious that our model is working because we also, we lived through 
you know, bef- which we found in 2013, it was before like the migrant crisis, the refugee crisis, where there was very little uh, light on those questions. And then we lived through like a crazy phase where like all of a sudden everybody cared about it and showed that our model is working and it's working very well. And then like now in a more kind of calmer, calmer and more like sustainable phase. So we know that like the, the model is kind of intact. Um, but for me, it was as a, like as a, as a founder and like as a, it was very important to not, uh, get megalomanic, what do you say? Like, and, uh, it was important that like the impact, the impact was important that our model is knowing that our model is working and not starting to, you know, starting to scale, starting to, uh, grow, to other places just because it would be cool to have your name on something somewhere else like I really wanted to nail down okay what is actually our secret sauce what is what is it actually that is working and why because uh, and and not be busy uh, also <laughs> because to be honest we scaled so insanely much within Berlin during the refugee crisis like it was I mean I've yeah, I mean, we had like hundreds of signups per day, like in the most hectic phase, like we had like 200 people showing up to our events, like, and it was so important to like really, you know, be there and monitor and mobilize that because, um, yeah, that was just, uh, that was the main scaling at that point. Speaking of this crisis and so much inbound interest coming in, I mean, you couldn't serve everybody and you can't even today. So how do you select out of hundreds or thousands of people who are interested in taking part in your activities or in matching with certain people? What kind of measures do you have in place that, yeah, it targets the right people and people come with the right mindset? I mean, now we we are as, like, it's different with different projects. I mean, so for instance, like when we work with, you know, uh, one of our own projects, for instance, is like when we're working with women and children and like very vulnerable communities, like you need to go through a training, like you just can't pop in and pop out and like, oh, it would be so fun to be there. And then people just turn up two times and like, you know, think it's horrible what they see and then like lose interest or like, no, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't work like that. Um, so but then with some projects like for instance like our language cafe you can pop in and pop out a little bit more but um it's it's also with you know tying in people to be more long term but we always try to have a mix with both having short term possibilities to come in and long term possibilities but there's a lot of things that we don't do like we have a lot of i mean you know companies who are like uh, want to come in and do CSR and they were like oh we have time Thursday three o'clock in the afternoon two hours what can we do and it's like no like that's really not how it's working if that's your take on how this is going to work like no um and um so yeah but uh, I think it's it's also like a little bit explaining like educating people how uh, doing workshops and like uh, uh, within the culture dialogue and like really making people understand also what is actual important here a lot of the times like actually just spending time with each other meeting in a natural casual way is much more important that you come in and like pack a bunch of like uh, soup 
uh, like work in a soup kitchen one time, but like that you actually attend the events and get to know people and, um, you know, you uh, become friends with someone and that you then go out and have coffee with a couple of times per, per month and speak German to or, you know, just create those networks for people. So do you feel like you have to do a lot of education on both sides of what it means to actually have an impact? Um, yes, um, but I think we kind of branded ourselves in a way um, very strategically that we also attract a certain type of person who gets this. I mean, not only we, of course, attract all sorts of uh, people, um, but... Um, Yeah, it just happens, it's happened both naturally, but then also like, I mean, we do do an Auswahl, like um, uh, well, through like all the workshops that we're doing and stuff. And often, sometimes people come in and maybe they volunteer one time and then they, they notice, oh my God, I like, oh, I actually have to change my mindset. Like, I will not come in and help someone like, and this is, but that's a part of the learning experience. And I think that's also why people really want to be involved with us because like you, you really grow as a person, both like emotionally and with new experiences. And you might have this weird vision or illusion what it is, what is social impact, like what is helping and who is actually helping who. You mind up like by the end of the day helping yourself <laughs> and... Um, so often it's it's like you might you might have some grand illusions actually uh, killed within a project, but but it's like that's the way it should be. So you mentioned people naturally, the right people naturally come to you. Not only. Not only, but but why do you think that? Is it because your website looks in a certain way? Is it because you use certain words? Is it because you you found certain processes in your workshops that that people intrinsically understand what it's about? What was the process in the last four years to getting there? I mean, in the beginning, it was actually making volunteering and social engagement attractive for like young people and for kind of call them what you like uh hipsters like migrants newcomers like if we had like in the beginning we had a quite small target group that we started with and also like to be honest like I'm from Sweden and like we're very like design aware and want things to look good and stuff and, I, and when I started to look around like how like how we're actually NGOs and those kind of super important civil society actors, how did they present themselves like online and like, like it, it do not speak to kind of young people a lot. It was very traditional, very conservative. So what we wanted to do was then, yeah, create this add on or um, yeah, this, this bridge making it look and feel modern and attractive um, to then reach out to more people. So um, I think that was, that was, maybe it was some kind of like uh, unconscious plan that I had, you know, when you work first with kind of like the early adopters, this kind of, kind of super hip crowd first, and then it grows. And I, I think maybe we, that's what we did. <laughs> um, but it was very important to make it to make politics, to make uh, social engagement, like look attractive and make it like mainstream. 
um, in a way to then spread because we need as much of this as possible. And then big groups must feel included and like um, spoken to. And this was the same thing as we did like with migrants because uh, we wanted to mobilize migrants to to take part of this like civil society and uh, give back. And, and then again, it was also a question of communication. Like we did our platform completely in English, which annoyed a lot of people in the beginning. They were like, oh, you're in Germany. Like, why do you do it in English? And I was like, well, guys, obviously you did until now everything in German. And this huge group of Berliners and migrants did not feel welcome. So, and all of a sudden we switched, we switched the language and we made kind of like a, kind of a friendly design and all of a sudden people felt included. So, um, that, that was also one of, one of the things. And also again, like now we do... Uh, I mean, we speak mostly English, but also German and like we translate things to, you know, Arabic and Farsi and stuff. Also to say, send out signals that it's like a two way, you know, it's a two way street, you know, like integration. And it's like we should learn from each other. It's not just like, you know, force everybody to speak German and like learn everything about German. Like we should learn things from each other. And it's that's also then how people like you know, feel welcome and want to do this. Like if it feels like forced and like, uh, no, like that's that's not going to work. One question I wanted to ask in the beginning actually is I find it quite interesting that you defined yourself from the beginning as a migrant. Because I think in, 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 in popular language or here in Berlin or in Germany, we mostly speak of migrants, of refugees and not of Swedish people, Austrian people, whoever. Was that important, this mindset in building Give Something Back to Berlin, that you actually say we're all the same because we're all, because we're all new here? Yes, it was. And uh, I mean, today we're over 60 nationalities in the, um, um, in the project, uh, participants, volunteers. And, and I think this is also one of the like, secrets to our success uh, that we... Because by the end of the day, like... Being new in a country, in a city, it doesn't matter where you're from. Like you have different luggage with you. You have different stories, you have different backgrounds, different languages. But a lot of the experiences are the same. Like it doesn't matter if you're from Syria or France or from US. Like you like learning a new language, like adapting yourself, understanding the culture, like uh, asking yourself questions like who am I? Will I become German or will I my maybe go back like what is my culture what is like this is universal 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 things and um and then also with with calling all our all of us self migrants or new berliners that is also then blurring the lines and like not between who is who who is helping who and we're just creating this big network of, you know, of human beings, individuals who are, you know, in different ways contributing and helping each other. It's not like, oh, this group, those are refugees and those are Germans. Like, this is what we want to get away from. And we actually had like one of our, like our tote bags. It was like, uh, slow, our slogan is like, I'm a refugee, local, expat neighbor so in the end of the day like we're all neighbors like we're all 
Berliners. How often does it happen that, uh, let's say, a refugee or someone who came from Syria or from Afghanistan, instead of taking part in a course, wants to offer a course, wants to say, I want to teach Americans how to cook. I want to teach Americans how to take care of something. Mm -hmm. How often does it happen in comparison to Americans saying, I want to teach Syrians how to speak English? A lot, actually. And that's a really cool part of it. And I think maybe one fourth or like one third of like all our community members and like volunteers have some sort of like uh, refugee background um and uh it's like everything from you know they are uh, offering music courses to uh cooking to uh, work as translators or uh, do art workshops uh, with uh, uh other you know with refugee kids and i think this is also a way for for refugees to establish themselves and you know, like you, when you're completely new, like this is a way to meet friends. This is also a way to find like some kind of horizont and, uh, you know, uh, you, you went through like really, really crazy times. And like a lot of people are like so happy to just like being safe and like feel, yeah, they also want to give back like uh, Germany and Berlin gave them, an opportunity to start rebuilding them their lives so i mean they want to get involved and they they want to contribute because that's also like something that you can't like forget that this was like people who had lives before like they were they had works they had they were maybe involved uh, volunteering back home in Turkey or in Lebanon or in Syria like they have skills and like not being able to express yourself not being able to contribute is like one of the most like frustrating things and what that is really kind of devastating for your self-confidence and also especially if you're building up like you need to build up your life from scratch you also like need to build up maybe your your self-confidence like and then having the feeling to yeah, of, of doing something good is like one of the best things that you can do. And um, then you also see how much faster the integration process goes. Like if you talk about integration of refugees, like because, yeah, you, you get access to net networks, you, like you get access, like you you um, you get the opportunity to speak more English uh, or more, more German or, you know, find jobs much, much, much faster. And that's also then a part of, you know, becoming... A citizen in this in this new um, this new country and city. What have you learned in the past four years about building communities? That it takes a lot of time. Like it's really it's a slow burner. Like, but you really need to s stay there and stick there. And it's maybe one of the most crucial things that you can do. Um, if we're yeah, if we're talking now about like social impact work. Um, and you need to be like very aware and yeah, and just invest a lot, a lot of time. Like it's really not like, a, oh, you can throw a party and then you have a community because 400 people were there. Like, no, um, you need to work on a lot of different levels um, in big and in small and give people time to like really get to know each other because not only have like one focal point, like people need to have like different focal points um 
may it be like a physical one like we have here in refugio in the, the house may it be like one project manager for one specific project and then like between like different uh, yeah friends and and people connected um yeah over, over the project uh but yeah as i said like most mostly that it's it it takes a lot of time but in the end that like hard work and invest investing in people that's that's what it is do you think that anyone can and anyone should start a community no uh i really don't think so i mean we saw a lot of projects especially since the you know the so-called refugee crisis 2015 uh where all of a sudden there was tons of uh, projects popping up um because it seems kind of easy from the outside and uh, from the beginning but it's really not like you need to be so happy so patient you need also need to be the right person like have the right mindset and you need to have you need to be some sort of leader you need to be some kind of like moral authority uh and not moral but like some kind of authority in what what you're doing and people you need to be a person that people comes to naturally and We have a lot of, um, you know, projects that are coming to us that is more kind of like top-down projects. And they're like, oh, like, oh, we got uh, money to do this project f for uh, making women entrepreneurship, pursuing class, blah, blah, blah. And, but we don't have any participants. Like, well, you started in the wrong end, you know, like you need to, you know, you, ne you need to build your community first before you sit down and write this like huge proposal and then you will end up having no people so then they come to us to kind of you know pull out the the community or pull out the people from our community which we were happy to kind of offer them that platform but it's really not so easy as you think and you need to have like really open-minded people who know how to connect and like yeah build those um build those networks between people and make people feel comfortable and like included and important and uh, yeah want to stick with you also because um yeah i mean there's especially in like a, a city like berlin or like big cities there's a lot of things going on and like why should they go to you and not somebody else like in the end it's about it's about the people who are doing it If you could define three key strengths or skills that are important to building a community, which one would they be? Empathy. Like you need to know, knowing your, um, knowing your community and why being authentic, why you want to work with this community or want to build this particular community. Um, people instinctively feel if, it's, if you're doing things for the wrong reason uh if you're building it or like if you are trying to mobilize it for yeah for, for the wrong reason like for for your own uh making yourself feel important or like you're just trying to sell them a product or um there need to be authentic authenticity um yeah empathy and um yeah and, and then again like uh invest a lot of time invest a lot of love uh, love though doesn't only mean that it's always going to be easy there's going to be a lot of struggles but then like you know working through those challenges and those struggles together and like seeing it as a part of like 
growing because that's also then what is keeping the community together like external <laughs> external challenges and struggles but then really taking time to 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 work them through and also like i, I like have fun like m- meanwhile doing it i mean you you're you're building your little community your little tribe or your project or your company whatever to hopefully you know um do something good or like create something beautiful and then don't be so fucking struggly all the time I mean I did this I I was very a lot of times very pushy very stressy I was like you know had a couple of half burnouts and then it like it doesn't work like you also need to give space to just you know get to know each other and like yeah not always achieve but just being together and having space to connect and you don't have space to connect with other people and other um yeah with yourself even if you don't if you're super stressed and you're like oh what's the next oh next goal oh my next milestone oh scale 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 like no it doesn't work where do you want to give something back to berlin to be in the next 10 years that's not up to me uh because the way i see it it's like it's a community driven project and um it's also up to the community to take that decision like where we want to go and like i as a as a founder like i'm just trying to create um a structure and a space where people can come in with their different skills and knowledges and like with every new person who comes in with every new idea it changes in in the direction somehow um of course it's not like anything goes um but i really want to keep it open and flexible um to grow in different different directions and with with the, the people that come in um that being said um i think yeah i don't know like it's for us like it would have been impossible to sit down and make like a five year plan like ima- imagine we would have done this like 2013 like two years later there was a refugee crisis like it would have been like insane like we didn't know if we would have done that like applied for money oh this is what we're going to do the next five years like no i mean we need to adapt with the changing situation of like in the city in the world um and that's why yeah i, I try to keep it as um yeah I mean, we we work to to you know be sustainable and uh, to keep everything going, but it needs to be a certain flexibility to um, to adjust with like the the situation changing. Thank you very much. Found it very interesting. Thanks for having me. Hey, this is Severin again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Community Podcast. If you liked it, please share it, tell your friends about it, subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. It helps me to reach more people and more people to know more about communities and probably the world become a slightly better place if we collaborate, share and create more together. My guest this time was Anna-Maria Olson from Give Something Back to Berlin. To find out more about the project and participate in it, go to gsbtb.org. Or visit me, Severin, at comatter.com to find out more on why communities matter and how they work. Thank you for listening and see you next time.